Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert once again, coming to you for probably the last time from the uh, office sofa slash podcasting set, along with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. We're, our set's about to change. I know. They're about to take it right out from under us, which is probably a good thing. It's time to upgrade and time get upgrade. A, a better studio. But, you know, fond memories on this couch. So, au revoir. We've done, we've done many a podcast here. <laughs> that is true. It's not the most fancy couch. It is not. I want to admit, I think it was... It came packed in like a cylinder, basically, from mm-hmm. China, directly from China. It did. We thought we were missing a part, but it was packed, <laughs> it was packed under. Into yeah, it. I know. <laughs> this thing is like nuts. Anyway, time for a set change and time for us to talk about breast reduction 101. Right. So going back and kind of tail ending and finishing our 101 series, we're going to talk about breast reductions. And Breast reductions are something I do a lot of. I do a decent amount of them. They are very much part of the bread and butter of, I think, many plastic surgeons. And there are many patients out there that really do benefit from having breast reductions. So I think it's sort of like the essence of a 101. It is. I mean, breast reduction is kind of a basic plastic surgery operation yep. that you you kind of got to be good at. Yes. And that's the thing. Because any not anybody, but I mean, all plastic surgeons know how to do a breast reduction but they don't always look great. And sometimes it's really hard to make them look great. And it's not, you know, breast reduction is not a breast reduction, not a breast reduction. So there are some nuances to it. I, I agree 100%. And that was something I noticed out of the gates is that there's, you know, when I was training to do this operation, there were so many different techniques. There was an inferior pedicle technique. There was a superior pedicle technique. There was a McKissick. There were all these different ways of reducing the breast but in the end i i came around to the one that i thought looked best so let's go through sort of your approach when somebody comes in and says doctor i think i need a breast reduction what what's your approach right and so try to keep it yeah so let's keep it basic because no one really knows what a mckissick breast reduction is (laughs) they shouldn't it's not necessary it's the silliest thing on earth. So don't worry about that one. You can forget I even said that. How about that? But no, so, but for They real. should have a Ravello breast reduction. Yeah, they should. I'm working on that. So let's just talk about, when you, when you talk about a breast reduction, you kind of can't get away from the insurance portion of breast reductions because many of these patients try to come through on their insurance. So we're, we're going to Why ta- is that? Be- because typically... There are two reasons that somebody comes in for a breast reduction. Number one, across the board, is that they are having symptoms. They're having neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain. They feel like they are literally walking around with weights hanging off of their shoulders because they are. They are. And they're having a lot of physical symptoms. Some people actually have numbness and tingling in their hands. Some people have poor posture. So they are coming in because they have a physical need to have their breast size reduced. And then there's always just the aspect of how they look. Some patients just, you know, the breasts are just too big for their frame and they want them to look small. They want want them to be smaller so that they can overall look smaller and have them more perky. Because usually when you have large breasts, the nipples are hanging down, they're lower. So people want them to look smaller, more rejuvenated. So that's why somebody has a breast reduction and that's why they typically come in to see a plastic surgeon. 
when that patient comes in, especially if they are trying to get insurance to cover these procedures, I go through a whole litany of questions, which are helpful and important to me, but a lot of them are just to check off some check marks check boxes for the insurance companies. True. And that is, what kind of symptoms are you having? How long have you been having them? What kind of treatments have you been doing for them? How long have you been doing those treatments? Are those treatments successful? This is my favorite. Have you tried a good support bra? I kid you not, they ask that. Like someone who's walking around with 36 G breasts, do you think maybe in their lifetime they've tried to wear a support bra? Do you think? I mean, have well, you tried you know, a good support bra? The insurers just want to try every wall they can before they remember you they as can. an insurance company. You make money by not, not you collect it from your subscribers and don't send and it then out. And don't pay for it. That's how you make money as an insurance company. Period. So that's those are the questions that have to be to be asked, and then you do your exam and you take your measurements, you take the photos. And that's when it starts to get even a little bit trickier because in order for insurance to approve it, not only do you have to do all the check boxes of the symptoms and the therapies, you have to agree to take off a certain amount of breast tissue. And that amount is pretty formulaic, except for Aetna. I'm calling Aetna Insurance out. They have the most ridiculous ridiculous set of rules for how much has to be taken off. In fact, they don't even have rules. They won't even tell you where they get their numbers from. I think they get them from in their ass. I think they do. I think they, they just pull, pull them out right of, out of their I butt have asked like, them. I think this yeah. one should be 550 grams from each breast. Yeah. Like, um, that's a mastectomy. It makes no sense. Every other insurance company uses what's called a Schnur sliding scale. And it's archaic and it's dumb, but these are the rules. If your BSA, which is basically your body mass index or your BMI, is X, then you have to take off Y amount of grams. Is that like Paul Schnur? Is that the surgeon that invented the yes. Schnur sliding scale? Yes. That's cool. And it's a paper he wrote, not even for insurance purposes, but just, it doesn't matter. Point is, <laughs> <laughs> this is what you have to do to get your insurance company to pay for it. And theoretically, the idea is that they're trying to weed out the patients that just want a small little breast lift, a little cosmetic thing. They want to say, hey, if you're doing this for therapeutic reasons to decrease your symptoms, then based on this scale, this is the number that needs to be removed. And yeah, it's not the most accurate. Sometimes it's a slam dunk. Someone comes in with very large breasts, easy peasy done but when someone comes in borderline and i'm like you know what according to this scale i have to take off 450 grams your entire breast probably weighs 600 it's going to leave you very deformed i can't agree to take out that much no. so and you can't do things that are going to make people look weird and you the, can't. Insurance, the insurance company piece i think is a real confusing factor because you know, I get it. It's like, well, if you're going to do it for therapeutic reasons, it better be therapeutic. And, I, that's, and I agree. And I get that's that. That's kind of what the insurance companies right. are saying we're going to pay for. Right. These are too big. You're making them this small and we'll right. pay for it because we don't want to hear about it again. Which I understand. But that being said, I do have some patients where even if I don't take off large grams or the grams that insurance wants, they still have such a benefit yeah. just from having the breast lifted, from having some weight taken off. So it's not necessarily cut and dry. No. But I understand why it's there. And so if you don't meet all of those requirements, and again, if you have Aetna, Oh, right. So that's, it drives me nuts because like 
I have to deal with this all the time. From Aetna in here. Can they I get it? They do. Because Blue Shield, United Healthcare, everybody else uses the Schnur sliding scale, it's cut and dry, and say someone comes in with a BSA of 1.8, that means you have to remove 440 grams. And it's it's simple. Aetna, someone comes in with a BSA of 1.8. And I submit for 440 grams. They come back and say, actually, you need to take out 720. I'm like, well, where did that where 720 did that come, come? And they're like, well, it's a calculation, a scale that we have. And I said, okay, but where exactly did that scale come from? No, that and the, came from the medical director was like, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, not a lot of plastic surgeons ask me that. I don't know where that scale came from. It, it comes from we don't want to pay for this. <laughs> so that's a, that's our CEO needs to make 48 million dollars this year, yeah. not not. 46 million so right so that's that's the insurance oh can i give one more insurance story go because because it drives me this is the most recent one i had so what happens is we submit for authorization and then a lot a lot a lot of times but sometimes they get kicked back or denied and then i have to do what's called a peer-to-peer where i get on the phone with a medical director and i have to argue for the patient as to why they should approve it so i had one patient who i had submitted for i said should remove 500 and 550 grams per breast they came back and said we need you to remove 527. So I said, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that falls within 500 or 550, but okay, Mr. Insurance man, I'll remove 527. Resubmitted the insurance authorization. Denied again. He came back and said, I don't see shoulder grooving on the photos. Shoulder grooving is like where you have some indentations on the top of your shoulders from the bra straps digging in. And she had met the symptom requirements. She had met the therapy requirements. She had met the 527 gram requirements. He didn't see shoulder grooving on the photos. So I pull up my photos and I'm looking at the front picture. I'm like, well, I beg to differ. I do see it. But you know what? You want to see a better view? Look at the oblique. Look at her when she's facing the corner. Do you see those indentations on her shoulders? Those are her shoulder grooves. You know what he said to me? Well, I mean, I see a shadow there. Oh my, I lost it. I said, a shadow? But you know, it's you, a groove. It's a valley. When you have a light reflecting off of a valley, aka a groove, you know what it looks like? It looks like a shadow. It's a shadow. So that shadow that you're seeing there is the shoulder groove. That's photography 101. Oh and my he, God. he didn't appreciate that and the patient was denied. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Drives me nuts. Yeah, you know, and then they pay you all of twelve hundred bucks. And that's true. And I'm arguing, and I'm fighting for hundreds of dollars. For hundreds of dollars of reimbursement. I just want you to know, I I can't take those. I mean, I'll I'll say you can bill your insurance, but I mean, the cost for me to do a breast reduction is you know no less than you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars at at the very least for the easiest one under the sun, if not more. You know, plus OR anesthesia, all that stuff. It becomes very expensive. And so how you I don't know. You know, you're just I, I get it. You you want to take care of your your fellow people, and you're going to do it for the twelve hundred bucks that they pay you. But I I just I think it's wrong. I think it's, it's wrong it to is. undercut the surgeon for doing a great job. What you do, you do incredible breast reductions. I mean, I do four a year because people will pay me for them. But they, you know, I do lots of mastopexies where I don't have to do any reducing, which is essentially a reduction without the reducing part. Right. But how you reduce the breast and make it pretty is really the the that's, subject. I mean, I think it. that's the key, and that's that's what you do. Like you do reductions on, you take breasts that look like they're just awful, and you make them really pretty. Well, that's and they're the big. Like I, you like you have like a BMI requirement of like thirty five <laughs> in your practice or that's something. True. I don't know what that is. But, you know, good for you, because these breasts are really hard to make them pretty. They're really hard. They're, they're really hard. So that was. I'm, 
I always get on you for going off topic on the one-on-one and that was me going off topic on the one-on-ones. So sorry, but veering back to your consult <laughs> when you first came in the door and we did the physical, we you know took Went our photos. Symptoms. And so now, you know, if you're an insurance candidate, we're going to submit insurance for authorization. If we know right off the bat, you're probably not going to go through insurance. Then we give you a cash quote. And now we're coming to the day of surgery. So a breast reduction itself, and I, and I get this question a lot. So just to clarify, by definition of the procedure, a breast reduction includes a breast lift. I get that all the time. Yeah. Are you going to lift them? Are you going to lift them? No. Yes. We're going to leave them hanging. <laughs> yeah. Of course we're going to lift them. They'll be smaller, but the nipples are still going to be pointing <laughs> to your belly button. Is that okay? <laughs> That's true. People do ask that. They do ask that. And yeah, it's a legitimate a reduction question. reduction and, and a lift are done together for sure. It's, you reduce the breast, but the nipple yeah. comes up to the right position. There's no other way to do the reduction. It, you, well, you could, it'd just be ugly. It would be super ugly. So yes, it's not cute. the definition of it, you get the lift. And if you are someone that's really coming in with symptomatic problems or anything larger than like a D cup, you're gonna get some version of an anchor pattern. Mm-hmm. And that means that you have an incision that goes around the areola, it gets smaller, an incision that goes vertically from the bottom of the areola down to the fold of the breast, which is the bottom of the breast, and then a horizontal incision, which goes along the length of the fold. I don't get hung up on that inframammary or that fold incision. I don't get hung up on how long it is because no one can see it. The breast sits over it, it hangs over it, it'll never be seen. The only thing that you will see or that you'll see in the mirror is the incision that goes around the areola and down the center. That being said, scars fade, scars heal, give it about a year, and those scars usually have faded pretty well. But through those incisions, we can reduce the breast to the size we want it to be, and then lift the nipple and the areola back up into a proper position. And it's a beautiful procedure. I mean, the the patients, oh my gosh, they will have, I would say the first day or two, some pain or discomfort, But usually by a week, they're feeling fine and moving around, walking okay. But what I hear over and over again on post-op day number one, my back, neck, shoulder pain is gone, improved, so better. I can't believe I walked around with that much pain. Some of the happiest patients in our practice. The the happiest. it, It changes their lives. Yep. And you know, I've had I had a patient say that I was going in on a Friday to do her breast reduction at the hospital and I'm walking in at 7am and you know just going through a mental checklist in my head so I have the breast reduction today then I have to go back to the office and I have to take my son to practice you know and as I come in she stopped me and said Dr. Avello I know this is just a regular Friday for you but today you are changing my life. And I kind of did one of these like like <laughs> You're, totally. Yes, you're right. It is a regular Friday for me, but today I'm also changing your life. And yeah, it was a, it was a really powerful thing to hear, you know? So it's very cool. It is, and it's a, it's a great operation. You can make the breasts look better. Now, there are some breasts that are really difficult, um, I, you know, and they, and they need some kind of shaping. So you think mm-hmm. about whether you're going to use implants as a shaping tool, not to make the breasts bigger, but to really kind of help shape the because a lot of times they're just skin like people have lost a ton of weight and they right want a reduction but it's more of a and that's that's and in the yeah that's in the that's in the mastopexy category yes. or the breast lift or in the massive weight loss patient we had to talk about putting in the implants because a lot of times they're just skin you know very little actual breast tissue for the ones that are you know really really symptomatic and big no. it's just just you got to yeah, take the extra tissue that, off. You can fold up the breast tissue, make it really pretty. Like you can, you can make it really pretty. Where it gets tricky or challenging um, from an aesthetic standpoint is 
when the patient themselves are larger. So large yeah. breasts are not necessarily a big problem. A large patient, it can be a little bit challenging because there's usually a lot of stuff on the sides right. that has Axillary to be addressed. Fat. The axillary fat, and that's just that roll Armpit of skin fat. and fat on the side of the chest wall like where the breast starts to meet the back. And when the breasts are larger and hanging down, that skin and fat on the side also gets pulled down, so it's not as noticeable. But then when you lift the breast and push everything back up, all of a sudden the side stuff starts to bulge out, and patients hate that. So if that is of concern, that needs to be addressed with some liposuction. That is definitely not covered by insurance. No. That would be an extra out-of-pocket expense, but one that's definitely worth it because that's where you start getting the aesthetic, pretty shape of the breast really start to be able to come in a little bit more yeah you gotta you gotta address the armpits i mean that's um that that's a big part of it because otherwise here's this reduced breast and like the palate that it's on is not right you know yeah. you've got this thing sticking off the side wall of the chest that yeah. you know, there's too much fat there and you know we we can contour that and a lot of times you have to excise it sometimes that yep. incision has to go out sometimes and that incision is really long yeah. all the way to the back of the armpit because if, I mean this it's got to go otherwise it just sits there now if the patient is is a lot larger and that extra fat and skin goes all the way around the back it's like a, you can't take that incision all the way around so at some point some point you have to stop and just yeah. be like that's just you, you that's not breast I'm sorry that's not breast tissue that's just that's you yeah, I mean, you can do so much for everybody's shape. And, and contouring the chest wall is is difficult. That's I mean, It's hard, and especially because the, you know, and people that are, you know, BMIs of 35 and 39s and 40s, you're doing this breast reduction, but then you've got, you know, a good thickness of, of fat that's in the armpit on the sidewall of the yeah. ribs that you really do have to work on or it doesn't look good. Yeah, so that's, that's part of, that's one of the tricks. The other place where it gets a little bit tricky is if you have really large breasts and the nipples themselves are a very far distance from the uh, chest wall basically because the blood supply that goes to the nipple it, it comes from four different sources four different blood vessels when you do a breast reduction you remove three of them and you are left mm -hmm. with one blood vessel supplying the nipple if that distance of that one remaining blood vessel is too long, then it's not going to survive and you're not going to be able to keep it alive on that one remaining, we call it pedicle, really. And so in that situation, we do what's called a free nipple graft. And what that means is the breast is reduced, but instead of keeping the nipple attached to its surrounding blood supply and tissue, we remove it kind of like a skin graft. And this is an awful analogy, but kind of like a cheese slicer. It gets sliced really thinly. And then once the breast is reduced and reshaped, we put it back into its proper position and stitch it into place on the skin where we want it. And that's a great option. Yeah. The only problem is that if for young patients, you can't breastfeed through that because it's not attached to breast tissue and breast ducts. Sensation's going to be changed. There's not going to be erotic sensation. And the nipples may or may not have much projection. Although I just saw a patient who I did a free nipple graft on, and she has projected nipples. And yeah. I was like, look at you. Yeah, I was going to say, the free nipple grafts that I've done, they, they get some sensation they, back. They get they, sensation to touch. Yeah, yeah. They don't get erogenous sensation. That's no. the only thing. Yeah, but they do get sensation, and they do have pilo erection so that you can see the the nipples kind of you know perk yeah, up, come and, up. Yeah, yeah. They, they do and it works and man is it a great option in those super long breasts i yep. mean because you can't 
you know, if you get a dead nipple, then you got to make a, n- a new nipple, and that's a risk of this procedure. Right. Is you can you know you can lose the nipple areola yep. complex. I can. Um, you can lose parts of it. You can lose all of it. And if that happens, then it's like a breast reconstruction. You have to build a new one. You have to do that, a brand that's new one. Not quite as great as your original one. So. Free yep. nipple grafts are a good They're option. They're a great option if you can wrap yourself around it, you know, especially if you're a young, younger female, maybe you haven't had kids yet, that you're not going to be able to breastfeed or that the sensation is going to be dif- difficult. Um, I, have, I have had one patient, she was in her late 50s, 60s, and she just could not get over the free nipple graft. She's like, I can't not have erogenous sensation in my nipples. She would refuse to have her breast reduction. So everyone's a little different in terms of what they can and can't tolerate. But that brings us to the risks of the procedure. Um, typical risks of any surgery, you know, bleeding, infection, scarring, wound healing. The breast reductions themselves are a little more prone to wound healing issues, particularly where that midline vertical incision meets the horizontal. There's a little spot called the T-junction right there. A little more prone to breakdown. That has the most amount of tension on it, least amount of blood supply. Not uncommon to get a little bit of breakdown right there. It heals on its own in a few weeks and it's fine. Where I get the most paranoid and the most concerned is like you said, the blood supply to the nipple because yeah. you know, most of the time they survive the trip, they enjoy the travel to the top of the breast, um, but sometimes parts of the areola and nipple don't survive. Once I've had the whole areola die and that was not fun, mm. but we knew it was gonna happen. Extremely large breasts, active smoker, knew mm. she couldn't stop and she was she knew it she's like i can't stop smoking but i need these breasts reduced i'll accept the risk and what i told her was going to happen happened oh, no. which was that the nipple was going to die and when it dies it heals in kind of like a scab and it looks a little bit discolored in the shape of a circle and kind of looks like an areola and she was she was fine but that is a very real risk the other risk is changes in sensation you know usually the sensation is a little bit diminished maybe a little bit hypersensitive to everything, but those changes level out after a few months. Every once in a while, the sensation changes are permanent. Um, yeah, the other risks, uh, bad scarring. I've seen you know, scarring. Thick, thick scars. Yeah. I mean, a lot, lot of, a lot of people heal just fine, but when the scars are bad, they're bad. And they can yeah. be, I've had some rope-like keloids on, on patients, you know, Every, every race, creed, and color, everyone says, oh, it's worse in Asian patients or African-American patients or whatever. But I've seen it on, you know, just Caucasian patients, yeah. I've seen it on Hispanic patients. I, I, I've seen just bad scarring that I, I, I don't love. And I get to work on that. I get busy because, you know, you, you don't want to see that. It's no. not cute. And we have options for that. You know, if, if we catch it early enough, we can do steroid injections. We have a V-beam laser, which helps getting the red out. You know, down the road, we can do more steroid yep. injections, some um, microneedling. Worst case scenario, we go and we just revise the scars altogether. Usually the second time around with a revision, they heal a little bit better because there's less tension and swelling and forces acting on yep. those scars. And, you know, it's, it's hard to predict who's going to get that. You know, you can usually tell ahead of time by how previous scars on your body have healed. But like you said, it's all patients, all skin types across the board. And it's, yeah, it's unfortunate when it happens because it kind of, you know. Wrecks the reduction. But you know what? Those patients are still super happy. They are. They are. They are. <laughs> I'm the one that's upset because I'm like, ooh, your scars. And they're like, ah, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I know, I hate those scars though. And the other thing that uh, can happen is we send the breast tissue because, and this has happened twice in my career, 
Sometimes you find breast cancer in the reduction specimen. Sometimes you do. That is very true. Yeah, Which is that's, why I have all patients over 35 get a mammogram because I don't want that to happen because if that happens, if you find a breast cancer in the breast reduction uh, specimen, board answer, book answer is you have to do a mastectomy on that you patient because you don't really know where it came from. Yep. You can't get margins on it now. So you have to take all of the breast tissue off. So if I can at all even prevent that from happening, that's why I do get mammograms. But sometimes, you know, things get missed even on mammograms. You don't have, you it can be early enough that you don't see it. And so that's yeah. why we always send the tissue when we do yep. a breast reduction. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, post-op uh, recovery is usually one to two weeks where you have to kind of take it easy. But I get people back into the gym doing other things other than upper body stuff with a sports bra after three weeks. And Yeah, no know. heavy lifting, no strenuous exercise yeah. for about six weeks. Exactly. And, and then, you know, with that said, also you have to just watch the, uh, there can be, after surgery problems with the scars on mammogram so you do want to get them to get in for a mammogram usually a year after which i tell them to get a baseline yeah because you don't want to get a mammogram five years later see some calcifications or something right and then start like, biopsying oh, it yeah that now yeah. we got to do a biopsy so that so the monitoring of the breast reduction patient i think depending on their age is a consideration yeah. when you do this yeah that's very helpful um, and that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's, that's the one I want a breast reduction. I will say the most common thing I hear after a breast reduction is number one, oh my goodness, I feel so good. My back, shoulders, neck feel amazing. Number two, I wish I'd done this earlier. For sure. For sure. So quick detour. I know I, I was wrapping it up. When can you have a breast reduction? I've done them as early as 15, 16. If they're having a lot of symptoms, yes, their breasts are gonna to continue to grow, but if they're being picked on at school, they're self-conscious, they're having psychiatric issues, they have large breasts, it's causing problems, do the breast reduction, do it now, let them have some self-confidence, help them feel better about themselves, get more physical, get more you know, exercise in with smaller breasts. So any age can do it. I've done them up to 70 something years old. Being able to breastfeed afterwards is always a question. 75% of women can breastfeed in America. That number does not seem to change whether or not you've had breast reductions, breast lifts, breast augmentations. So yes, you can definitely still hit breastfeed after a breast reduction. As long as you can breastfeed. As long as you are, yes. Your body was physically made <laughs> to right. be able to breastfeed. Cool. So, any other any other big points in this one? This is a good 101. I felt very... Very solid, like we 101 this. We one. did. We, won. We, didn't, we didn't detour. We didn't go down to the 203 path yeah. or the 301. No, we took a little detour into like medical management, but then, then we came back. <laughs> well, in that case, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.